today on CityCast DC. A lot of local restaurants are now charging a mysterious service charge. And to be kind of honest, it always leaves me pretty confused. Do I tip or not tip? And the thing is, we're likely to see even more of this if DC votes to eliminate the tipped minimum wage in November. So Washingtonian editor Jessica Sidman is here to break down the etiquette for all of us. It's Tuesday, September 27, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Jessica, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So Jessica, when you get your bill at a restaurant, there are so many different things going on on that bill. What is the difference between a service charge and a tip? Right. So this is the new thing that's popping up at a lot of restaurants, especially in D.C. Often you'll find an extra fee of anywhere from usually 18 to 22 percent added on. And this is different from a tip in that the restaurant can technically use this service charge however they want to use it. If they want to use it for Neon lighting, they can use it for neon lighting. That said, um, usually they do not use it for that reason. It's generally used for paying the staff. And we, we saw it really take off during the pandemic as a way to add a little income stability for staff. Things fluctuated greatly with every new variant and restriction. And this was one way to have a little bit more predictability. And I think you see... Restaurants really using this service charge in one of two ways. The first is basically to use it like a traditional tip where the money is going to your server, your bartender, your service staff, uh, and just divvied up that way. And the other thing that you sometimes see is that restaurants are using this money to rethink the pay model in the restaurant industry in general. So with the pandemic, a lot of people took a closer look at their work lives. And I think particularly in the restaurant industry, many of its flaws became very evident. And we saw these huge disparities between front and back of house becoming more evident. A lot of restaurant employees don't have health care. And, you know, if you're a line cook, you're literally on the front line putting your life at risk a lot of times. So, In some cases, business owners said, okay, let's take this money and let's give our employees health care. Let's give a living wage, you know, across the board, try to create uh, more equity between the front and back of house. So there's really a wide range of how this service charge is being used. So you said that sometimes, or most times, it sounds like it's being used as a traditional tip to go back to the staff, but not always. And so if it's being used in that way to go back to the staff, should you tip on top of that? Right. And it is confusing because restaurants aren't always very transparent about exactly how they are using that money. I didn't find any restaurants in my reporting that use the money for anything other than paying staff, but how they pay it, it might be a little different. But it creates this question when you are automatically paying 20% and then you see a tip line, what are you supposed to do? Should you tip on top of that? And if so, how much? And 
is your server actually making a living wage? And is it your responsibility to figure that out? And it's, you know, a whole etiquette and math question at the end of your meal, at the point when you probably least want to think about it. This has become a really confusing, confusing topic. And I, I say I probably get more reader emails about this than anything else I have recently. People just don't know what to do or they have very strong opinions to what to do. So I did some reporting to find out what should you do in this situation? There's a 20% service charge and a tip line. I hate to say there's not one right answer. You know, you, you can be as generous or not as you want, but my overall takeaway is that the majority of people do not tip on top of a service oh. charge and the majority of restaurants don't expect, to you two. That said, I think it is appreciated. And if you feel like you got great service, great food, and you do want to leave a little extra, I think five to 10% on top of that 20% service charge is considered a nice gesture. Okay, this is really useful for folks who are thinking, what do I do when this bill shows up? Yes. But I'm curious, you know, in your reporting, have you heard from folks in restaurants who felt like they would be making more money if not for the service charge? Yeah, absolutely. Not everyone is a fan of the service charge in the industry. And there are a lot of people, particularly servers and bartenders, who prefer a more traditional gratuity system because they feel like they can ultimately make more that way, that they have have more control. One example is the team at the Red Hen in Bloomingdale, which is an Italian restaurant. Uh, during the pandemic, they started a service charge of 20%. But this summer, coming out of the pandemic, uh, the staff pushed to discontinue it because they felt like they could have more control over their financial future without it. It really depends on the restaurant. It depends on the person, the pay structure. There's not really one right answer here. Interesting. So you mentioned that sometimes the restaurant doesn't always do a great job of creating transparency around how the service charge might be used. And so I wonder, is there some aspect of owners kind of skirting what they're supposed to be doing and then passing that burden on to either the servers or the diners to sort of just sort it out themselves. This would be one of my biggest pet peeves about this new pay structure is that it is not very transparent. I mean, sometimes you do have restaurants that will devote paragraphs on their website to explaining this is how we use the money and this percentage goes toward health benefits and we pay our staff X amount. And I find that really helpful. Other restaurants will literally just say, here's a 20% service charge, and you have no idea what it means. And it might feel a little awkward to ask your server about it. So I would just say to restaurants, like, please, please make it as explicit and detailed as you possibly can. Put it on your website. Explain it on your check, on the menu, and don't put it the onus on the server to explain it all because I think that's that's a lot. Have it written down where the language is very concise. 
you know, one one place that I think does a really good job is this restaurant off H Street called The Little Grand. It's a new pizza place. And they're very explicit about how they use their service charge, but also they're explicit about what the expectation is on tipping. And they very specifically say tipping is not expected. Because a lot of times, you know, if you have a tip line, then the question is still open. So I do think it's helpful that if that's genuinely the expectation to say that's the expectation. Yeah, I completely agree that it should be on the owners of the restaurants to provide that transparency because I don't want it to be on the server to have to have this awkward conversation about their pay with the person who is perhaps in charge of what they might be making. And so I think like expecting that to just be on the on the server isn't ideal. And so that transparency, so before you go, you could figure out what the service charge is and how it's given or on the menu. Like there are many points of contact for seeing that information as opposed to having to awkwardly raise it when you get your bill two bottles of wine in where you're like, oh, who ordered the appetizers? Like you're right. like, things are already tense at the table. And now you have to have this conversation with your server. Exactly. Exactly. It really is on the restaurant owner to be a little bit more explicit about this because people are really confused and they really actually want to know how, um, how this money is being used. And again, there isn't one standard. So, you know, you can't make any assumptions. Absolutely. You know, I know there's restaurants like Two Amy's comes to mind where they don't do a service charge and instead they just factor that cost into the prices of things. And so things might seem a little bit more expensive on the front end, but it's because tipping and the service charge is sort of built into that price. I'm curious, why do you think that some places opt for that model rather than the service charge model? Yeah. And and I would say the thing that I hear from diners over and over and over again is, well, why don't they just raise their prices? And it would be a lot less confusing that way. And the answer is really psychological. When you look at a menu and you see the higher prices, it's more of a turnoff than if you see the lower prices with a 20% service charge, even if you're ultimately going to be paying the exact same amount. Uh, So I think a lot of business owners are reluctant to deal with that initial sticker shock that it might turn off people from coming to the restaurant in the first place. Yeah, and as you're saying, Two Amy's is one of the very rare exceptions. And the owner, Peter, has basically said, you know, I don't see why working at a restaurant should be any different than working at a bank or a magazine or whatever. You make X amount of money and your customers pay whatever amount. And uh, if there's an issue with your performance, it's not up to the diner to decide whether you did a good or bad job. Like I'm the boss and I'll decide. So it's interesting that that hasn't taken off more, but um, you are seeing it a little bit more here and there. Do you think that it should take off more? Like, like, 
what model do you think is the most effective? I'm reluctant to say what should be or should not be. One thing I will mention that could change this conversation a lot is um, what happens with Initiative 82, which would eliminate the tipped minimum wage in D.C., which for those who don't know, because it is another confusing area, you know, if you are a tipped worker, say a server or bartender, you... um, can make as little as it's around like $5 an hour. It's a little bit more than that. And the majority of your wage up to the standard minimum wage, which is around 16 ish dollars in DC is made up through gratuity. This ballot initiative proposes to eliminate that to minimum wage. So there would only be that $16 um, wage. And a lot of business owners say, you know, if we, go to that model, we're going to have to have extra income somehow. And a lot of them will be forced to go to a a service charge model, which is somewhat controversial. (laughs) So we'll see what happens this November. We will see. You know, Jessica, I have to say, this might sound a little bit Pollyanna-ish or whatever. I think that most people who are, have the extra income to be going out to dinner in DC. I like to think and I like to believe that if you told the majority of them, your pizza is going to cost $5 more than it did last week, but your server is going to be paid a living wage and have health care and feel really supported. I believe that most people in DC would say, yep, that sounds great. But I also agree with the sticker shock thing of like, on paper, a lot of people might be totally down for this. But when that paper is their actual bill, they might not feel the same way. Yeah, I I hear it all the time because people say, yeah, we want to support places that pay people well, that give their staff health benefits, that have good sourcing practices for ingredients. But also the thing that people complain about the most in restaurants are the prices. It's just like, oh, these tacos are too expensive. The sandwich is $16. Well, yeah, the sandwich is $16 if, you know, you want to pay people well and use quality ingredients. So I think people want to have it both ways. And unfortunately, that's just not the reality, especially now more than ever with inflation and supply chain issues and wages thankfully are going up because uh you know there there's a, a labor shortage particularly in the restaurant industry jessica sidman food editor at the washingtonian thank you so much for being here i can't wait to see how this conversation plays out thank you so much Before you go, here's some quick news. The D.C. Council is considering a bill which could change how long families can stay in the city's rapid rehousing program. It's designed to help families transitioning out of homelessness, but historically, there's been a 12-month limit. It was paused during COVID, but that reprieve expires on Friday. A hearing on the bill is scheduled before the Human Services Committee on October 20th. Meanwhile, the Department of Transportation has started surveying all of D.C.'s bridges to see if suicide barriers need to be added. This assessment was triggered by D.C. resident Dr. Chelsea Vanthoff, who started a public campaign in April after her partner died by suicide on the William Howard Taft Bridge. The department said that this will ensure that all the bridges remain safe. Lastly, 
Washington National Cathedral has raised a whopping $115 million as of last weekend, partly to finish up repairing the damage caused by the earthquake in 2011. The cathedral's head stonemason says they've been literally chipping away at the repairs for 11 years, but are only about halfway done. The new funds will also be used to renovate the church's pipe organ. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, I bet you'll like our newsletter too. Subscribe at dc.citycast.fm and get your neighbor to sign up too while you're at it. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. I don't know why I'm so mush-mouthed today. <laughs>